Welcome to the Bear Ash Podcast, where we will be reviewing cigars and reviewing reviews of cigars. I'm Chase. I'm Manny. Welcome. Hey, Manny, what uh, what cigar are we smoking tonight? What's up, dude? We are smoking the CAO Flathead 660. Mmm, the 660 um, carb. Now, yes, the 660 carb. Short for, do you know what it's short for? Um, uh, I was trying to think of something clever, but I, I'm just going to say carburetor. You're correct. The carburetor. Boom, so boom, boom. CAO. Do you know what CAO stands for? Because I don't either, actually. Um, I don't either. Oh, actually, that's incorrect. I do know what it stands for. Um, hold on. Hold <laughs> on. Hold on. Hold on. Well, you're I, looking that up. I thought I had it in this article right here. It's the, it's the three initials of the man who started the company oh yeah chris alexander oldenfield maybe okay were you well, just making this... that up just now yeah <laughs> oh yeah i don't know <laughs> so this cigar is a big cigar now you gifted me this cigar Mm-hmm. maybe i don't know six months ago it's been sitting in my humidor yeah and it was <laughs> in my humidor for about a year and a half prior to me gifting it to you you and i lit this a little while ago um, we've yes, we did. For a little while already, and this yeah. is delicious. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any facts about the CAO six hundred and sixty cigar? Um, I don't have facts per se, but I do have a little description here that they give us on details from uh, CAO. It says, "Strap on your seatbelts and get ready for a wild ride." The CAO Flathead V660 Carb is an amazingly rich and delicious smoke that will have your taste buds firing on all cylinders. Oh, I see what they did there. These oh, en- oh, I get it, because like, yep. it's an engine. Uh-huh. These engine-themed gems are musts for all full-flavored fans. Having become the go-to smoke for car-loving cigar connoisseurs everywhere. I probably would have used enthusiasts. But okay. uh, that, that I also, yeah, that's not my job. You uh, the CEO- my, I say enthusiast. Yes. <laughs> The CAO Flathead V660 is a big 6-inch by 60 box press cigar with a generously oily Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, uh, which surrounds a Habano Connecticut binder stuffed inside of a lush Nicaraguan Ligero and Dominican Cubano Ligero filler. The result is a sumptuous hour or longer excursion. The CAO Flathead Carb gets rolling with deep earth, cocoa, and toast flavors that are evenly joined by dashes of anise, anise, toasted nuts, and cream. Herbal nuances and a dose of sweet vanilla carry the full-bodied smoke towards the grand and savory finish that simply astounds the senses. An ideal smoke for evening drives under the stars with the top down. Very specific. The CAO Flathead V660 Carb is a vigorous and satisfying smoke that captures the spirit of the golden age of the American hot rod. The CAO Flathead Carb is a smooth, rich, and delicious journey you do not want to miss. So it is excellent. I really mm. like this cigar. I'm not is. disappointed at all. I would mm-hmm. say it is a it's a full-bodied cigar. Yeah. It definitely it picks up as you smoke it too. Mm-hmm. I'm about an inch away from the band at this point, and it's starting to pick up in strength. Mm, yeah, this I'm probably about really halfway good. through. Which, if I still had the band on, I'd probably be about an inch, inch and a half from the band. <clears throat> so it's a six by sixty. It is. So it's a big cigar, but it's a box press. Yeah. 
And um, I like a box press. This one has like a flat cap on it. So instead of a rounded cap or a, like a tapered torpedo cap, it's just a flat end to the cigar. Which yeah. made it kind of hard to cut. It did, yes. I found um, it also a little hard to cut. While we're at it. Yeah. What was your cutting and lighting method for this cigar? And what is your preferred cutting and lighting method? Are there any do's and don'ts you'd recommend? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I typically... Uh, I mean, I've tried the punch cutter. I've tried uh, get, get the guillotine cutter. I've tried the... Um, I've got scissor cutter. I've got the V-notch. So I've kind of tried all of those. I prefer using a guillotine cutter, um, a double-bladed guillotine cutter, personally, for almost every cigar. Although when I was cutting this cigar, I was kind of wishing, because it is an awkward size and shape for, you know, just my my cutter. I was kind of wishing that I had a V-notch or even a punch. But it's not very often that I wish that. Um, so. What cutter do you use? A guillotine double blade, single blade? I use a double blade that actually was gifted to me from you, Manny, um, for your wedding. Oh. You gifted all the groomsmen with a, um, it was a leather pouch that had one tube for one cigar, um, a little tube flask that was the same size as a cigar, and also a cutter that fit inside of the pouch, which I still have all of those things. Mm, how about yourself? I guess uh, you also asked me about my lighting method. Yeah, what's your preferred way to light a cigar, and how did you light this one? Uh, my preferred way to light a cigar is I do have a triple torch torch lighter um, that a very good friend of mine has been uh, holding hostage for almost a year. Um, I believe that might be you. Oh, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, oh, what a coincidence. It's only a state away. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's a couple states away, but... I mean, you know, yeah. I know uh, geography was never your thing. It's a state away. So <laughs> no, that's uh, still, still a few <laughs> states away. <laughs> well, okay, eagle, as the eagle flies. <laughs> so All this right. is, uh, so your, your favorite lighter is a Zyco, Z-I-C-O. I'm looking at it right now. I'm flicking it open and wasting the, the spark. Hey, 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 easy, easy. I'm hoping to get some nice use out of that when I get it back. Flame. I'm going to bring that to you in about, uh, about a week, I would say, a little over a week. Yeah, we'll meet at another crow's fly state away. But we're New not going to be hunting crows. We will not, although we, you do know that we are, at that point, licensed to hunt crows. <laughs> so we're going to be hunting ruffed grouse, but if we see a crow, we could shoot it. Yeah, if for any reason we'd want to eat a crow, the rats I, in the sky. As I do know someone who dined on crows in college. I, I believe we know someone who, on one of these trips a couple years ago, talked about uh, having rook, as it's known as, as a meal. Is that cormorant? Cormorant. I remember the, you know, the black water bird that dives under and eats fish? Oh, is that what is referred to as a rook? Well, I don't know what a rook is, but that's a cormorant. And I know the, uh, I've heard stories of the settlers starving and resorting to eating cormorant which is supposed to be disgusting i do remember it occasionally came up in conversation as a joke and uh uncle john had uh, mentioned that he's had it on several occasions and said it wasn't too bad rook? <laughs> yeah he referred to it as rook yeah I maybe he's buddy, just a chess player i got a buddy who used to like to uh kill crows by using a hawk call and then <laughs> he used to eat them 
Wait, maybe you need to expand on how the hawk call killed a crow. Oh, I feel like everyone should know that. <laughs> well, so crows and hawks are enemies. And when you, uh, I think this is how it works. I've never hunted crow, but when you sound off a hawk call, like a or whatever it is. It's very good, by the way. I think the crows come to try and like defend away, like shoo away the hawk, if I'm not mistaken. And they just take them out of the sky. Yeah, so if they hear a hawk call, I think the crows will come to you and you can just shoot them out of the sky. It's good to know. We should bring a hawk call with us to New Hampshire. I don't need, but I mean, (laughs) I don't think that's going to help us with the grouse. Yeah, no, it won't. But I mean, at least it gives us some other options for meals. Okay. Yeah. So a few things you stated. Uh, this is a uh, Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. Yeah. A Dominican Nicaraguan filler. Mm-hmm. And a Habano Connecticut binder. Now we've been smoking this for over an hour. Yes. And they say it'll smoke for about one to one and a half hours. Um, price five to seven dollars per stick. So per mm-hmm. cigar, it's under $8, which is pretty good. This yeah. is a really good cigar for that money. Yeah, it is. Um, this uh, CAO, as a brand, goes way back for me. Yeah. The first cigar I ever had with my dad was a CAO Cameroon. Mm. It, it was a uh, rite of passage, uh, culmination point in my life where my dad finally treated me as a man and we had a cigar together. Yeah. And smoked a CAO Cameroon in his little lake cabin on Cuca Lake. Nice. Nice. Yes. As, as well as me. I mean, I've been smoking uh, CAOs for quite a while. My dad was a big fan of the Extreme back in the day and also the Cameroon. So we smoked quite a few of those. Um, and I was a big Sopranos fan. Oh. And uh, if you recall, before they actually had their Sopranos line, yeah. The Sopranos show was sponsored or whatever, had some kind of arrangement with CAO for their Maduro line. So Tony Soprano was always smoking a CAO Maduro whenever mm. he was smoking a cigar. Um, and then they rebranded that to be the Soprano cigar. They might have, but I never tried a Soprano cigar, so I don't know. I did, and I felt like it was just the Maduro. <laughs> well, it probably is. <laughs> But it was just two dollars um, more, and it had a fancy Sopranos, a fancy Sopranos. Uh, um, why am I blanking on the uh, box label? Well, it probably cost more, no? It did, yeah. It was, I think it was two dollars more. <laughs> so, hey, it worked. <laughs> so, um, well, I remember there was a scene. Tony Soprano just gets done making sweet non-marital love to the one-legged Russian. He laid down in bed and just lit up uh, his own CAO Maduro in bed in his bedroom. I was like, how oh, beautiful is that? What a man. Can you imagine just smoking a cigar in your own bedroom? Uh, honestly, I wouldn't want to do that. Why? I, I'm not a big fan of indoor smoking. Yeah, but you miss out on all the aroma. Like, I'm in my barn right now, and it's I'm not hot hotboxing myself. I have some air circulation, but this cigar smells so good secondhand. Yeah. Do you agree? Um, I, I, I do agree, and I do love the smell. I'm, I'm currently smoking on my porch, which is a screened-in porch, and by tomorrow morning, I'll still be able to smell the cigar out here, and it smells wonderful, but I don't know. I mean, I've, I, I grew up in uh, a couple different places, grew up slash like rented, uh, where it was indoor smoking, and I just, for some reason, I'm just always turned off by it. 
Okay. Well, to each just, his own, I guess. I'm just, just saying, you know, well, it's got to be real. What are your winter plans? What are you going to do in the winter? I'll, I'll still use the, uh, I'll still use the old porch. And I mean, you forget, I'm in Virginia. There are plenty of awesome establishments where you can order yourself a steak dinner, or uh, you know, a bunch of uh, fresh delicious oysters and smoke a cigar at the same time while perfectly in the comfort of the warmth man we gotta give a shout out for because we got what two listeners now yeah they're probably not gonna listen to the second episode i mean if they were smart if they there would was one thing i can recommend it's trio grill oh yes dude we we went there cigar lounge mojitos oysters uh, yeah, and that's actually an out, more of an outdoor smoking experience, but they run a heater all winter long. And I, there's only been one time since I've been here in Virginia for three years that I wasn't able to smoke a cigar in just like a long sleeve shirt uh, in the middle of winter without being completely comfortable. And you're pretty hairy, so. I am. I am pretty hairy, yeah. That's true. So um, we also, so let's talk about what we think of this cigar so far. We've been smoking this for a while, and I've got some reviews yeah. pulled up that we can laugh at and ridicule. As we but, like to do. Sure. But what are some of the things that you taste? What's been your experience with the 660 card? So although it is a full-body cigar, it's extremely smooth and creamy, I would say. Um, actually, prior to lighting this cigar, I was looking at my options for what to pair with it. Um and I immediately, uh, my eye caught a bottle of Jim Beam that I had in my cabinet. And, what? Uh, just the song, yeah. Dude, I'm drinking Jim Beam too. What? Jim Beam? Yeah. Sponsor. Oh, yeah, Jim Beam, holla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, actually, speaking of Jim Beam, do you remember when we, uh, Jim Beam, sorry. Do you remember when we uh, did a backpacking trip prior to our weddings? Uh, and do you we, mean in the Susquehannock Trail in Pennsylvania? I do. That's exactly what I mean. Uh, but I do clearly remember us filling up a couple flasks with Jim Beam and having a plethora of cigars, thinking that every time we reached some peak, we were going to pour ourselves a little glass and smoke a cigar. And I think we were so tired at the end of every night that we never did that. <laughs> the, the last yeah. thing we wanted was a cigar well, and so a whiskey. I learned the hard way. You know, when you hike all day and then all you want is like sodium and water and then go to sleep, you're like Jim Beam just sounds disgusting. <laughs> a cigar yeah. sounds disgusting. You just don't yep. want any of that. Yep, your lungs are already just pounded by just hiking for miles and miles and <laughs> <Yeah>. miles. <laughs> by the time you're setting up a camp, it's cold already. We only packed shorts because it was gonna, you know, it was gonna be a five-day trip. Um, you packed shorts, if I'm not mistaken. Well, whatever. So I have some. <laughs> you, all, I do have a picture of you chasing a porcupine as well. Oh yes, in shorts. Yes. I'm just that. I'm that tough and rugged. Um. So I have some reviews here. I was a little disappointed. There's nothing so outlandish and unreasonable that we can just you know, laugh at. It's not hilarious, but there's yeah. some silly reviews out there for the 660 carb. So the life. Okay. So here is a review by Mac who says two hours of quality that seldom disappoints. He might not be wrong about the two hours. This thing is slowing down. Mm. <clears throat> the 660 is a great value given that it always delivers a high quality taste and a very long burn time. It's good from start to finish. And then Deliverance Banjo Boy says, Tasty as hell. Just a great smoke. Not only full, but smooth with a killer retrohale. 
Ooh, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to try this retro hail. Mm, yeah. Oh, ah, I burned my nose. Mm. See, I rolled it like a pipe. It doesn't taste good. No, you can't do it. You just got to let just a little bit out. Okay. Uh, so uh, Deliverance Banjo Boy continues to say, Deliverance um, Banjo Boy. <laughs> great company to buy from. Then I have um, Anonymous says, Great, rich, sweet, and raspberry, sour, deep wood, and mulch. There's plenty of delicious flavor. Brown sugar. Mm, now, do mulch. you taste sweet raspberry or sour, deep wood, and mulch? Um, I taste sweet. A little bit of sweet, but that's all. I don't taste any of those other things. Nope. I have nope. someone else here who said, uh, let's see, uh, at this, so the, the, he wrote a really long review that I'm sure no one read in its entirety, but I did because I was looking for funny things that he said. Yeah. <laughs> so we should, so he's like halfway through the cigar. At this point, it kept the same flavors as before, but slowly started to bring out a metallic flavor. As the Ooh. chocolate flavor fell off and the floral flavor dominated. Mm. After about halfway through the second third, the metallic flavor took over and the floral flavor was the only thing I could taste. And this lasted for the rest of the second third, which lasted 40 minutes in total. Hmm. The final third lost all flavors other than the metallic and hint of dry tobacco, which huh. pretty much described the entire final third, which lasted another 20 minutes. Some notes to take in with this cigar. Sounds like he's a big fan, by the way. <laughs> well, I don't taste metal. No. And I don't taste floral. I think his description of this should be metallic roses. Mm. So he says, some notes to take in with this cigar is that it really didn't burn too hot. I mean, there's all kinds of misspellings. He might have used a translator. Yeah. Because there's <laughs> Just... like weird... Yeah. Uh, Him and Siri put that one together. <laughs> Is that it really didn't burn too hot, and it did start to burn uneven near the very end. I'm not getting that. No. The large-gauge cigars are usually hard for some people to smoke. However, with the hard box press on this cigar literally making it square, it makes it easy to smoke. Hmm. I think technically it's a rectangle. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's square. Um, but yes, a box press does literally make it into a rectangle. So I guess he's correct on that. Um, I don't, I don't agree with him. The box press makes it any easier to smoke other than I like that a box press has two flat sides in which I can bite down on instead of a circular thing to hold in my teeth. Yeah. See, I personally found that it was actually harder for me. I, I feel like it's an uncomfortable smoke, but that's just me personally. What? I think the combination of the ring gauge and the shape. When I first, I mean, now that I've been smoking it for a little while, I round it off at the end. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Now, when you mean round it off, I mean, as you're smoking it, it loses some of the corners from the box press. Yeah. Yep. Um, actually, I do have a quick uh, famous smoke does talk briefly about why the box pressed or square press cigars are literally pressed into the factory box. Uh, whereby the pressure from the box creates a square shape. As a result, the process causes cigars to burn longer and with a more consistent flavor, giving the smoker a more enjoyable smoke. Very true. 
interesting. I do like a box press. Yeah. Well, now that now that I just read that, I do have a couple of cigars that I love. As we reviewed uh, the Liga Number no. Nine, I actually have a Liga Number no. Nine box press in my humidor. Um, it's been in my humidor for probably about two years, um, and I think it was in my buddy's humidor for another two years before he gave it to me. So that's probably going to be delicious. Got some nice bloom on it. Oh yeah. No, actually, it doesn't. But. <laughs> Not bloom. No bloom. No, no bloom. So let's see. I got a question for you, Chase. Did you just drop something? I closed my door. I actually just um, took a leak outside. Oh. <laughs> you know. The man so, life. So they theme this after hot rods, you know, mechanics, classic cars, yeah. whatever. Motorcycles, because they got the ape hangers. Uh, yeah. That's kind of a spin-off of the initial um, of the initial flathead line. What the ape hangers was like uh, one of the newer ones or one of the original ones? Um, no, so the original ones were these, which are the uh, V. Well, I'll leave out the V. All right, but it's a V before all of them. But the first one that they have in the lineup here on the CAO website is the 642 piston. Um, and then after that comes the 554 camshaft. And then after that is the, what we're smoking here is the 660 carb. Then they have a 770 big block. They also have a 450 spark plug. I've had the spark plug. I've had the ape hangers. They're all really good and fairly strong cigars. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is, I would say a full body, but not too strong. Like I, I feel totally fine smoking this. Um, have you had any of the steel horse line, which are like the more motorcycle themed ones? Yes, I've had a couple of those. Those are those those are hard smoke to smoke. Yeah, I've had one. Maybe yeah, I definitely had one. That was a stronger yeah. one. Yeah, I've had the ape hanger. That was really strong, and I've also had the roadkill, which was really strong. <laughs> I haven't had the roadkill. What's that? They also they also have a bull neck, and they have the handbrake. But the uh, the roadkill is just a uh, yeah, it's just a. I mean. I don't have a specific description in front of me, but uh, hey, I like roadkill. You know that. But yeah, it's a five uh, by fifty-four ring gauge cigar. So, what do you think about their uh, marketing theme, if you will, of this cigar, the and what they're going for with appealing to hot rods and mechanics and the whole engine discussion? Now, I personally am not a. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know my way a little bit around my vehicles, but most of the time I've got to bring them into the shop. So I personally would not be what you would call a gearhead. But, uh, but I do just like how CAO, I feel like in a lot of their cigars, they're pretty intentional about the design of their boxes. Um, I feel like there's a lot of companies that like, couldn't care less. And it's like, here's our box, just get into the cigars. But, uh, but you know, these ones, they have a very, almost like a 50s diner look and feel to them. <laughs> Like the inside well, of the like box. Striping almost. Like, yeah. Uh, like uh, I'm looking at the top of the box right now. It's big, thick silver font and cursive. It's a silver flathead. Big, thick stripes. With yep. The uh, the right like back. emblem on the box kind of looks like a uh, hood ornament on a vehicle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I do have to say that I think they put a lot of thought into their design. Even as we were talking about Sopranos, when they rebranded. I believe, I don't know if this is true, but uh, I believe they just rebranded the Maduro to be the Soprano cigar. 
Um, but when they did that, it came in like the back of a, it was like the trunk of like a Cadillac, if I remember correctly. Oh, the box? Yeah, the box was literally looked like the trunk of a caddy. And did any of them drive Cadillacs in the show Sopranos? I don't think so. It should have been like a Yukon or whatever they Yeah, you <laughs> had a GMC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the right family. Woke up this morning. Oh, speaking of getting the gun. Yeah. Have you seen on Instagram uh, the pair? So, so I follow a couple of cigar pages that honestly make me laugh. Yeah. Because typically what you'll see is you'll see a very pretty, delicate male hand that has not seen work in some time. <laughs> or ever. With a, with a really expensive watch on. And in the background, it's like a girl's ass next to a pool. Like probably, you know, his sister walking around the pool with a bikini on. But he wants that in the background, and he's holding a cigar. So he wants you to see the watch, his clean, pretty little hand, the girl, the pool, the sun, and the cigar. I mean, okay, cigars are like a, a status symbol for some people. It's like, oh, the good life, the luxury life. <laughs> um, and they want to promote that. They want to be braggadocious. That's cool. I get it. You know, especially I get if you're posting a pairing of something, like you're what you're drinking or a special beer or some food. You got some steaks and a cigar. You take a picture for the gram. What's yeah. interesting <laughs> is I've seen lately guys uh, uh, putting guns, like with the gun, the pistol that they're carrying, on the table or on their lap, and then taking a picture of the cigar just with the gun, as if the gun was to be paired with the cigar. <laughs> like, I'm carrying this gun and smoking the cigar because they go well together. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think it's really funny, and I don't quite understand it. I mean, obviously, it's someone just bragging, like, "Hey, check out my piece and also my cigar." Like, um, I saw one; he had a nice, honestly, it was a nice custom 1911 uh, 45 pistol, and he had a cigar of, you know, probably a Cuban, because um, it's a status symbol, leaning up, unlit on the gun. And I'm just wondering, like, what is the point of, of posting? What is, what is the point? Are of you even gonna smoke that thing? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> <clears throat> his lungs probably look just as as uh as soft as his hands <laughs> yes but i i think that's really funny and i don't quite understand it yeah i don't either now you're not you're not big in the instagram then uh no i'm, I'm all over the facegram and the instabook and the um the twitter life maybe the gun affects flavor maybe maybe they're just protecting their assets you know Oh, hey, I actually have a quick little story, uh, definitely off topic. Oh, please, but, go ahead. Uh, but, but that just happened the other night. Now, I live here in Virginia, outside of D.C., and there's a lot of uh, Nationals fans, um, which, uh, which right now there's a lot of, uh, for Nationals fans to be happy about. I don't know how the game ended tonight because I haven't looked it up. But uh, anyways, a buddy of mine was watching the game the other night. I believe it was game one against the Cardinals, and on – what, what, what channel is do they have MLB on all the time? TBS or something like that? But the, uh, the, all the anchors, kind of like the hosts of the show, uh, at the very beginning, they talked about who they thought was going to win, either the Cardinals or the Nationals. And all like four or five of the dudes were like, in a, it was five of them were all in a row, like, yep, it's Cardinals. And they gave the reasons why. And the next guy was like, yep, definitely the Cardinals. Gave the reasons why. So anyways, the end result of that game was that the Nats did win. And a buddy of mine tweeted, just randomly tweeted, like, hey, you know, whatever the host's names were, don't you think any one of you could have guessed that, you know, the Nats could have won? Like, he, anyways, he had some witty comment that he just put up on Twitter. And next thing he knew, 
after the game, they were reading his tweet. They said, well, apparently Brian knew all along that the Nats were going to win. So anyways, it was kind of a cool <laughs> shout out that he completely dissed all five of these dudes. And then they threw it up on, on national television. Well, I don't yeah. follow baseball. I mean, I don't really either. <laughs> but if I did, I'd be a nerd. <laughs> For anyone that does know what the national symbol looks like it's the w when we first moved to the area and i saw all these people with the w on the back of their cars I tony was like, wonder no i was like is there like a walgreens headquarters here like what is this <laughs> <laughs> and then i mentioned that to someone they're like dude that's the nationals and i was like oh yeah i'm a big i'm a big sports fan go team <laughs> yeah go hope team. they get an interception <laughs> score me a goal <laughs> <laughs> anyways a little off topic but i thought it was worth mentioning yeah no thank you yeah. Hey, anytime. Um, so I have a question about, we went through our cutting and, oh, we went through your cutting and lighting method. Yeah, we, we didn't get mine. to yours yet. All right. So I also, like you, over the, how many years have I been smoking a cigar? Let's think about this. 21 years. Whoa. I've been smoking cigars. Well, you must be really old. Um, yeah, you know, I am on the outside. But I mean, beneath my belt, I'm really young. Yeah. And got, you got good knees, huh? Yeah, great knees. <laughs> well, and uh, uh, so I, I've tried the punch cutters, which, eh, some of them are attached to the lighters, so it's convenient in that way. That you, you can just bring one lighter and do everything you need. But also, I'm pretty good at cutting a cigar with a pocket knife, and I prefer that over a punch cutter. I don't yeah. like a punch cutter. For some reason, I like to, you know, just tongue the end a little bit while I'm smoking yeah. on it. You know, just, just like the feel, the, the edge of the cigar in my mouth. Like the rough edges of the tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, let's see, the they have these fancy and crazy looking punch cutters with like spikes all around it that look like some kind of other weird tool. Um, guys get a little too crazy with their cutters. Yeah. None of that appeals to me. Yeah, I've never had a punch cutter. For some, it just doesn't taste as good. I like a plain, either a plain guillotine cutter, the double blade like you're talking about, or my favorite method, which I didn't have with me tonight. I have some uh, cigar scissors. Yeah. And for the scissors, you don't just snip through. You kind of work your way around slowly and just cut off the cap and lift it off. Yeah. Um, so it's a very delicate thing. It's not for like snipping, unless it's a tapered or torpedo, you know, cap. Um, where you can just kind of snip through. But in that case, I actually prefer a guillotine because it's a cleaner cut. Um, but yeah, scissors are my favorite. The punch and the V cut are my least favorite. I don't want any other textures. I don't want any other notches, nothing like that. I just want the plain cigar with the end cut off. Yeah. Now on this one, on the 660 carb, it's like a flat cap. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of hard to cut. Um, I do like it though. And I cut it with a guillotine and it's burning great. It's not unraveling at all. Um, yeah. No Speaking problem. of unraveling, uh, I think it's I think it's good to mention because I just had this conversation with a guy not too long ago smoking a cigar, um, and I occasionally make this mistake of if you look at the makeup or kind of how a cigar is made and rolled, when you look at the cap before you clip it, you can actually see the line of where the cap is. So when the cigar is made, the cap's the last thing to get put on, and that's to hold the wrapper in place. So typically, if you make sure you keep your cut, when I say above, I mean toward the. Uh, what would that be? The head of the cigar. 
Uh, but towards the end of the cigar where the cap is, you want to leave some of that line of the cap on there. That way it holds your cigar together. If you were to cut it off completely to where that line is, that's when your cigar tends to unravel. And I, I know a buddy of mine who's been smoking cigars for years, and he was like, oh, I never knew that. So that's why I figure it's, you know, worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I didn't know that when I first got into cigars. And I would just cut it, you know, a little ways up the cigar, not yeah. realizing that you have to cut along the taper of the cap for it to not unravel. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So on this one, it was hard because it's a very abrupt taper. It's almost a 90-degree angle to a flat cap. Yeah. Um, I was able to just get the end of it off with the guillotine cutter, though, and without too much trouble. As it is called the flathead. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got two sponsors. We got Jim Beam and CAO sponsoring our uh, podcast with all of, you know, two listeners. Yeah, they just they us. just don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know they're sponsoring us yet. But uh, um, we'll get there. So at this point in the cigar, I'm, I mean, it's really slowing down. This is still burning. Yeah. And, uh-oh, is mine going out? Hold on now. Not mine. Oh, I saved it. I saved it without having to relight it. Just kidding. I'm going to use your lighter to relight it. The nice oh. triple flame torch. Oh, yeah. it's yep. just salt in the wound. Uh, 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 is that a fuel? Uh, no, st stop. Stop. Oh. oh, there we go. Oh. I got to fill it up for you again when I bring it to you next week. Man, next week. Mm. Hunting That trip, sounds baby. so good. <laughs> yes, sir. We'll be freezing our tuchuses off in 40-degree rainy weather for five days. Yes. And enjoying every minute of it. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So I think uh, it's definitely stronger now towards the end, which I kind of like in a cigar. Yeah. I do like it to finish a little stronger. That way you taste it at the end and you don't feel like you were shortchanged. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not too strong. Or um, shafted, if we're going with the car theme. Shaft. Oh. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, you don't get hosed. Oh, <laughs> okay, that's probably enough. Railroaded. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yep. Maybe that'll be CAO's next theme is uh, yeah. theming their line after, uh, you know, train conductors. They yep. got the caboose. <laughs> <laughs> All you've, right. been, you've, you've been watching too much, Thomas. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Speaking of children. <laughs> yes. Um, so, a little bit of background, because I think this is useful. I, myself, uh, work in children's mental health. Up until a couple days ago, I was a child and youth behavioral health specialist with Child Protective Services. Um, so I know a little bit about adolescent development. I do trainings. Manny, I think it's important to... Uh to mention that you were not let go from that position. <laughs> no, I was not asked to leave for any nope. misconduct or fraudulent reason. Um, yep. I was promoted, so please note that. I'm not yep. banned from being near schools for any reason. <laughs> just just clarify. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, so you have successfully um, bred in the past at least twice with a female and have had two viable offspring. Yes. They have survived yes, have. to age 10 years, and you have one also that survived up to seven years. So far, yeah. And I have an offspring of mine 
uh, at five and one at one years old. And now, now, when you say survived, I, I think that, and I don't know if your new job means that you are no longer a, man, a mandated reporter. I am, but, so uh, careful what you say. But I did have my seven-year-old yesterday. I haven't even told you the story. I, I, uh, we're in the process. We got a new vehicle. And I'm getting another vehicle ready to sell. And uh, so I was working on cleaning that out, detailing it, and I had to change a couple brake lights and a couple other minor things that need to be done with our minivan that we're selling. And, uh, and as soon as I'm done with that, I'm like, all right, I got just enough time to mow the lawn. So my kids are running around the house like crazy and they're, you know, bickering like brothers do. And, uh, I had just finished telling them it was time to calm down and not to run around like lunatics cause you're going to break something. And right behind me, I hear the shattering of glass. And I look over and my seven year old just put his hand through one of our windows. Mind you, not a cut on him. But uh, he almost didn't survive to eight. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but good news is I took them out to Home Depot and made them purchase everything with their hard-saved allowance money and then made them help me fix it. Wow. You know what we call that in the behavioral health world? <laughs> what is that? Restorative justice. Hmm. Where when you do something, you do the work to make up for it and it becomes a positive learning experience. That's right. That's right. So, and my seven-year-old didn't have money for Pokemon cards today. Oh. Uh, yep. You live and uh, learn, you know? What, 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 you know, that, what a neglectful father. Yeah, I do what I can. So the reason, why, the reason why I took a moment to brag about my knowledge about uh, childhood adolescence is because I have a question uh, that I think we should discuss. And we've touched on it here and there, but uh, I have a humidor in the house. I have a pipe collection in the house. I have a pipe shop that my kids come out to in the barn. They've seen it. They, you know, my five-year-old's seen me smoking a cigar at a party. How do you, you know, so you got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. How do you talk to yeah. them about tobacco and what do you do in your house around the fact that you have it, that you're uh, addicted to it severely and you use it all the time? <laughs> <laughs> how do you raise kids easy, easy. around tobacco? Especially, you know, in this day and age, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Get New the York, vapes out there killing all the kids. Vapes are just killing, <laughs> killing white dudes by the thousands, the vape, <laughs> the vape cartridges. So how do you talk to your kids about tobacco, Chase? Well, first of all, that's ridiculous. Because I feel like that if California does it, it's got to be good for everyone. Um, so that's first of all. I think New York should just, you know, at least take one card from California. Oh, New York sucks. Um, but for me, um, I mean, for me personally, growing up, I was always around tobacco, always around cigars. All my, my father's side of the family are all cigar smokers. Um, so I was around it all the time. Um, because of that, my kids have been around it all the time. If I ever get together with my dad or their uncles and even even uncles on my wife's side of the family, we typically end up having a cigar at some point. So they are around it all the time. Um, obviously, my kids are a little bit older than yours, so I think that they can understand some of it a little bit more. But, uh, you know, definitely haven't had the conversation as my seven-year-old, I think it was last year, came home from school and started talking about the dangers of smoking. And I think mostly they're talking about smoking cigarettes when they're at school and, you know, and the dangers of smoking cigarettes, which I get. Um, but at the same time, I think it's hard for them to, to kind of separate you know, any smoking from that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, my kids, I have a humidor that's kind of front and center in our main living space in our house and my pipes are displayed a couple times. I found my boys sneaking my pipes into the little forts that they make. <laughs> um, 
And they do talk, like they ask about smoking, when they can smoke a cigar. And of course, as long as they never listen to our last episode, I tell them they have to wait until their legal age, or at least 16, to have a cigar with me. 21. I waited till I was 21. Well, that's interesting because it was only 18 oh. at that time. Well, it's 21 now, so I waited till I was 21. <laughs> 22 for good measure. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I mean, we talk about it. I talk to them like they. I, I typically don't like to smoke in front of the kids. Um, like I just feel weird about it, whether it be them or any other kids for that matter. Um, I do know a guy. I don't know a guy. I saw a guy, which made me feel extremely uncomfortable, um, in a smoke shop. And it turns out his daughter was a grade older than my ten-year-old. So at the time, she was probably nine, and he was sitting in a smoke shop that you know has. He could probably fit 30 people into that smoke shop for smoking. And he was just sitting back there with like five other people smoking around him with his daughter sitting next to an ashtray as she was playing with the ashes in an <laughs> ashtray. <laughs> and I don't typically, well, I'm not, I'm not, last episode, I think I said I don't typically like to judge people and you corrected me. I try not to judge people, but I definitely was judging him. <laughs> as I think that's a little much. But, uh, but for my kids, they know that I smoke. They, you know, they've seen me smoke cigars. They've seen me smoke my pipe. Um, my son actually today just, I had pipe tobacco in one of my compartments in my truck and he smelled it. He's like, what smells like cream soda? And I said, well, someday you'll get to enjoy pipe tobacco that tastes like cream soda. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just talk about it. You know, it's something that I don't hide from them. Um, I feel like hiding things from kids can often, you know, create the opposite result of what you're hoping for. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's just something that I talk to my kids about. I tell them, like, hey, as an adult, you can make this decision. And, you know, when you're old enough and, you know, you understand it more, then that's a decision that you can make for yourself. Yeah, I take a very similar approach. I think uh, I know, well, I don't think I know that kids pick up on a lot. And keeping things secret isn't yeah. necessarily the way to go. But also telling them everything and exposing them to everything obviously isn't the way to go either. No. Sometimes I might parallel this to uh, bring up a situation with my mother, my children's grandmother. With love, in case she ever listens in. Oh, I love, yeah, in case she decides to search CIO 660 and listen to this podcast. Yep. Um, <laughs> she felt the need to educate her grandson, my child, who was two at the time, on the proper terms of his body. And I'm not talking about your arm or your teeth or your tongue. Do you know what part I'm talking about? Um, left big toe. No, the penis. Oh, that part. She And so, like, he, she was teaching him, like, you know, this is your penis and these are your testicles. I was like, hey, mom, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, well, he needs to know the proper terms for the body parts. You know, it's the best way to educate kids. Like, hey, I'm the parent. I actually happen to be a behavioral health specialist. And right now, we're going to call it a pee-pee because he's two. So until he needs to know, it's not a penis. And, I mean, you know, he's five, so he gets it now. Yeah. But, you know, the same way, when I asked my mom, my mom didn't understand my logic when I said, hey, maybe not right now, teach him everything. Because she would say, well, you should educate them on the proper terms so they know how to talk about it. I said, sure. What if he asks where babies come from? Are you going to tell him, well, here's how this all works, and you get into nitty-gritty details, yeah, what if the he stork? hears the word gay at school and he asks me what gay is? Should I talk about that in great detail about the sexual experience of a gay man to a two-year-old? 
So, oh my God, Manny, no! I was like, well, okay. So you have to draw the line. You can't just be honest, completely 100% honest with the kid about everything because they don't have the tools to process the information you're giving them. Yeah. <laughs> and I could be, I could give you some examples of things that I might tell someone that what gay people do, but I don't feel like a two-year-old should hear anything about that if you're straight or gay. Like, they don't need yep. to know that. So in the same way with tobacco, uh, you know, in my house, I, you know, my, my kids know I have a pipe shop in the barn. I make pipes. I have a pipe display. I don't go out of my way to, I don't smoke cigars when it's just my family. When it's just the four of us, my wife, my two kids, yeah. I'm not going to be smoking anything. Yeah. Um, it's only been once or twice for my five-year-old seen me at a party and he's only five. So as he gets older, he might see it here and there. But it's the same conversation. You know, this is when you're of age. This is an adult thing to do. And, you know, it. I, I don't know. You can't keep things so secretive that their curiosity makes them go seek it out. Yeah. Um, you know, my kid, uh, my five-year-old knows that I have a gun safe where they are. He knows not to even try to put in the numbers of the gun safe. Um, and I've allowed him to shoot a couple times on my lap, like a single shot, 22 and it really satiates the curiosity because I have guns in the home. He knows that I can shoot with him if he wants to go, but yeah. he hasn't really asked. It's not a thing that he's desiring to do since we did it a couple times. Yeah. Um, so you, you can't let them be just totally curious about something. You have to be honest with your kids. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And this is coming from the expert now. The, the expert who apparently no longer has the job, though. Well... I mean, to be fair, it's in children's <laughs> mental health. It's just a little different. I'm joking. I'm joking. I take my work very seriously. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell. So, um, I've put my cigar down. I have as well. I, there might be a little bit left in it. One thing I do have to say is I probably have about two inches left in the cigar, and I could still smoke it. Like, there's a lot of cigars, especially when you get into the price range of this cigar, that, you know, you, you get down to the band, and you're kind of like, I'm done. It tastes like an ashtray. Uh, this is not my experience with this cigar. It's delicious all the way through. It is. I honestly, I probably could keep smoking it, but it got a little strong, and it is pretty late at night. <laughs> um, and I got to go sleep next to my wife, so I don't want to be stinking super bad. I'm going to air out for a minute. But yeah, this, for the money, dude, if you're giving this as a gift to somebody yeah. who likes cigars, if you're paying five to seven bucks for this cigar, this is a great gift for somebody. Not for a beginner. So I had actually had the cigar a couple times, and uh, and a buddy of mine, I went and helped him. And when I say helped him, I failed miserably. Um, he had an issue with a clogged drain in his new house, and I went to try and help him out. We couldn't get the clog out, but he felt like I gave him like two hours, so he needed to gift me. So he gifted me like four or five of these, and then I kind of developed more of a love for the cigar as I went through a period of time on not liking CAOs. Um, the pylon, definitely, pylon, pylon, depending on who you ask, <laughs> uh, definitely uh, changed my mind about CAO, and then these cigars have also done that. Um, actually, the one that I sent you, I got a gift, and I can't remember if it was Cigar International or if it was Famous Smoke, but I had ordered a bunch of cigars. Um, it was after Christmas. I had a big gift card, and I probably dropped like 300 bucks on one of those websites, and they had sent my order to the wrong person. Whoa. Um, yeah, so their way of fixing that was to send me a bunch of free cigars. <laughs> so they sent great. me 10 of these, and they sent me a box of CAO con concerts, which were something like, 
I don't know, like 56 bucks for a box, and they're actually delicious. I never even heard of them till then, till I literally got them at my doorstep. But uh, this cigar is definitely, and the other ones in this line, I've had almost all of the cigars in this line, and they're all pretty dang good. And I think you and I have had a similar experience with CAO, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I loved them when they were kind of a newer company, putting out some of their lines. Um, yeah. They had like their three standards when they first started. They had the Extreme, the Cameroon, and the Maduro. Yeah. And I liked all of them. And then they went a little nuts, and they made all these ones about countries. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had the The world edition. Yeah, I had the Brasilia, which I thought tasted kind of funky, like sulfury or egg, which is now what I attribute to be the flavor of Brazilian tobacco. I don't know if that's just me. Uh, Then they had like the Italia. Uh, Oh, they had a few other ones. And some of them weren't that great. And so I kind of wasn't sure anymore what was a good CAO cigar and what wasn't. Um, And they, these are good. These are really good. Yeah, they are. Definitely worth the money. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just, uh, I actually had a cigar. It's just, this reminded me of this because of uh, your comment about that tanginess. Because I feel like I do, I do not like the Brasilia, but I do like the Amazon line. They have like the Basin and they have the Anaconda and there's one other one that's just like, they don't have a, they don't have an actual label on them. They're just wrapped in cigar leaf, like a little rope of cigar leaf. Now that line is from Brazil. It is, but it's, yes. it's a different style of fermenting the tobacco leaves and it tastes very different than other Brazilian tobaccos I've had. And I don't know if this is true, but I was told this by a gentleman who I respect his opinion. Um, at a smoke shop that I go to, who said that the basin specifically, the leaf that they get from that, they actually have to boat into the Amazon where they grow it, and they grow it in a very specific place in the Amazon. So that's where the flavor comes from. So I don't know if that would be necessarily the same tobacco you'd find in like the actual Brazilian, you know, their labeled Brazilian cigar. But yeah, I, I mean, I actually have like I have a couple of the America, a couple of the Italian or Italia, whatever they call it. Um, that just and I think I have a Columbia that just sits in the bottom of my humidor specifically for when someone comes by that they're like, yeah, whatever you give me is great, and I'm like, all right, good, I got to get rid of this one. <laughs> uh, so that's typically what I've always used those lines of CAOs for. So I enjoy the fact that CAO's got some good cigars out there. Yeah, man, they're good. I, I really like this one. I have not had the 660 car before today. Yeah, that was really good. This is uh, mm. that's a great gift cigar. Yeah, it is. Um, and as far as any concluding thoughts, uh, before we wrap things up, because honestly, I should probably get to bed. Um, probably. It's a little late. Uh, as a side note, I'll, I'll just completely unrelated to CAO, the Drew Estate Factory Smokes. Mm. I had a friend over yesterday who wanted to watch some of the football game in the middle of the day, and he said, I don't care what you give me. And I said, hey. Here's some Drew Estate Factory Smokes. This is a Connecticut, the one that, the ones that you sent me. Yeah. Yeah. And less than $2 a cigar. And he was very impressed. He liked it. Yeah. He said, he honestly said, you know, you've given me some really expensive ones that I can tell are much better than this one, but this is great. Yeah. So uh, Cigar International has a location, and I think it's Hamburg, Pennsylvania. But uh, I, I was driving this past summer from New York State back to Virginia and when I looked at the map, I had thought that Cigar International was on my way. But it wasn't until I was leaving Cigar International that I realized I added an hour and 45 minutes to my drive. 
but it was well worth it. Um, awesome, awesome spot over in Hamburg, PA. Um, but I mean, it's literally like a huge, I mean, the whole building is basically a humidor. They've got a bunch of bars all over the place. Unfortunately, I had more driving time and I was already tired, so I didn't partake in a beverage. But uh, anyways, I am making that same trip this week and I'm hoping to pick up a different, uh, they also have the sweets. They have, I believe, uh, the Maduro and then they also have the sun-grown of the factory smokes. So I plan on picking up some more of those. We'll have to give them a try when we're in, when we're in uh, New Hampshire. I think that we should review these at some point. Um, you know, for me, I usually associate anything like when I saw the label factory smokes, mm -hmm. I think of, you know, factory rejects mm -hmm. and, uh, these are machine rolled. Yeah, they are but not a hand rolled cigar. For the that money, is true. Really good. Yeah. One thing that drew state, I mean, I know we're, we are reviewing CAO, but I have a feeling on every episode, we'll eventually talk about Drew Estate. Most of our cigars in our stashes are Drew Estate, let's be honest. Because there's really no reason to get other cigars. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but one thing that they do advertise for their factory smokes is that they're never the leftovers. It's actually their own blend that they created specifically for these factory, like, cheap smokes. And, I mean, I literally got a, you know, a, not a box. They come in a pack. But I got it for, like, 26 bucks. So that made each cigar... Help me with the math. A dollar sixty, like a hundred dollars. Yeah, like a hundred minimum. <laughs> but uh, anyways, great, 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 great purchase. At least the Connecticut's are. I can't speak the same for all of them yet. Now I don't know what we should smoke next. Hmm. Maybe a factory smoke. We could. I have one in my office. I'll have to retrieve. We could also do a muat. Ooh, I actually would have to restock on the Muats. I got a couple left, or we could do an Antonio Dark Corojo. Well, for the two listeners that we do have as of right now, I mean, you could always throw a... Yeah, they probably didn't what, hang on until the second episode, just so you know. Well, if they did, I mean, feel free to, you know, throw a comment somewhere if comments are available. I'm, I'm a little stupid when it comes to the World Wide Web. But uh, anyways... Um, you could always throw a comment because I am trying to talk Manny into us doing a episode together while in New Hampshire. So really the options are unlimited of what we smoke because I could bring anything that I find from Cigar International. Ooh, so we're going to be getting together for a hunting trip. You're trying to do a podcast and be ostracized from the rest of our hunting party? Uh, yeah, I'm willing to do that. All right. Well, yeah, man, this well, has been very pleasant. Thanks for the gift. This has been delicious. Yes, you're very welcome. Anyways, I guess that's us that's us signing out. All right man, later. later. Good night.